word that, Father, things change. Just as we were encouraged to communion this morning about faith, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it is a light into our feet. It brings direction to our hearts. It shows us how to live and how we can bring glory to you. And I pray this morning on this Pentecost Sunday that, Lord, we truly grasp what it is to be the church, to be a part of the church, and to live lives full of your spirit. Lord, that we would impact the area that we have been called to be in. So, Father, Lord, this morning, Bless us as we come round your word. Give us open ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Give us open hearts just to, Father, Lord, be open to everything that you want to say to us as we sit here under your word this morning. Lord, help me, I ask, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I want to read two portions of Scripture this morning, two short portions of Scripture. If you can turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2, we're going to read, um, first of all, from Acts 2, 1 and 4. And then if you go back to the Psalms and stick your finger in Psalm 133, we're going to read Psalm 133 this morning as well. So that's two portions of Scripture. And here's the first one. It says this. And when the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place. Suddenly the sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then, of course, to Psalm 133, or back to Psalm 133. I love this portion of Scripture. I might even read it twice. Here we go. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down. See, beards are fashionable, church. Running down on Aaron's beard, down his collar of his robe. It was if the dew of Hermon was falling in Mount Zion, for the Lord bestows a blessing, even life forevermore. Let me read that over you again. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. That is a sign of anointing and blessing. In biblical times, that was a sign of great anointing and blessing and encouragement. And you can just feel when God comes in our meetings and God just comes and he pours out his Holy Spirit upon us that there's a seal of his blessing. It is if Jew of Hermon were falling in Mount Zion for the Lord, the Lord bestows his blessing, even life and evermore. I don't know if you sense what I'm sensing just now in church, but I sense an excitement. I'm sensing an anticipation among our people of there's a desire for more of God. There's a desire, an expectancy that God is going to do much more than what we can even dream or imagine at this present time. 
I see that there's a hunger within many of you just for a move of God, for God to do something with us and in this place. And at Pentecost, and if you're not familiar with Pentecost, Pentecost just means 50. And Pentecost was a feast that the Jews had. And Jesus rose from the grave and he stayed with his people for 40 days and then he ascended to heaven and then 10 days later that's when the spirit of God came that we read about in Acts 2 the spirit of God fell and in powerful well upon the church and that's when the church exploded and started to exist and it happened on the day of Pentecost there were signs following. There was tongues came. There was gifts bestowed upon the church. There was lives saved. There was lives cleansed. There were people healed. The worship must have been phenomenal. And friends, on that Pentecost, God did great things. And on this celebration of Pentecost, I hope that you will grasp once again what God can do in the life of his church when we do what we're supposed to do as the church. Now, you need to grasp that this morning. What God can do in the church when we live as the church, the way the church should really be. Sometimes we look and we look at Acts and we look at periods in church life um, you know, this morning, um, I'm looking for R.B. June. June, that was great, but I thought to myself at one point, she stole my sermon. <laughs> and, you know, she talked in her history of church life. There's peaks and there's troughs. There's times when, you know, church is amazing. Sometimes church can be difficult. And we look at church sometimes where we see great things happening. And then there's times when things don't happen. But I think... In this small passage that we read this morning, actually God gives us a very key to see great things happening in the life of church. Let me read verse 1 again. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. They were with one accord and in one place. The scripture gives us an important practice of the church, a characteristic that I believe that when this is right, that's when there's a move of God's spirit. And it's this, it's unity. When people are united behind what God calls them to do, great things happen. And you know, sometimes, in despite of lack of unity sometimes and individuals sometimes and our own feelings it's amazing how god can still move and god does great things but yet when the church becomes what god wants it to be a united people boys are dear what can god not do when his people get with his pans. Let's look and see this morning. Quite simply, we're not going to preach long this morning, but quite simply, just taking three wee thoughts, we're going to look to see what the early church did and what we should be doing to see even greater things. And I'm going to say this later on, but I'm going to say it again this morning. Just what June said, I thank God for the lovely unity we have in this church. 
I thank God for the sense of love that there is in this place. And we'll talk a wee bit about that later on. I thank God for what God is doing. But you know, church, it's always something. It's like being back at school. You know what the teacher used to always say every year, every teacher used to say to my mommy, there's still room for improvement. <laughs> yeah, still room for improvement. And I think in this, there's always room for improvement, isn't there? Because dynamics change and situation changes, but we need to keep it a focus. If we want to see a move of Holy Spirit, if we want to see God really moving in this place, that is a focus for us to try and work to be that church that God wants us to be, and that is United Church. Friends, here's my first point this morning. Very simple. They were in one accord. There was a uniting point. They were of one accord. There was a uniting point. You know, the Spirit of God had already come into their hearts and the love of God that we heard about at the table this morning was already poured into their hearts. Romans 5 and 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into their hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love is the uniting point for all of us saints, all of us who are called to be together. And here was this group of people They had walked with the Lord for those 40 days. And before that, obviously, they'd walked for a period of three years with him. And this special time, because he'd risen from the grave. And for 40 days, they had walked with him. But now the Lord had gone. But in that period of 10 days, these guys had probably prayed more fervently than they ever had prayed before. And you know, church, let me just get this in this morning. If you want to see a move of God as well, you have to be a praying church. If we really want to see God move in this place for our benefit, for the benefit of those people that God has called us to serve, we need to be a praying church. And I thank God for every opportunity he gives us to pray. There's prayer goes on in our life groups on a Sunday morning here on a Saturday morning. But guys, we need to be committed to those times of prayer because it is the most important thing that will bring change in us and in our community. It's the most important thing, and yet it's the most ignored thing in church. It's probably in every church the least attended me. I don't know why that is or how that is, but yet when these guys prayed together, they had more of a heart for one another. But that wasn't always the case. You know, when this group of guys were following the Lord Jesus Christ, He was a very gracious master to them, but they weren't always that gracious to each other. But when you pray together and you spend time together and you love each other the way you're supposed to, that changes. But in the disciples' we group, you could call it their life group, they weren't always the most gracious to each other. You know, there was a time in their lives where there was a wee bit of pipping for post and pipping for, you know, to get a better position than the other. You know, their mommy came, one of their mommies came one day and says, look, let one of my sons sit on one side and the other son sit on the other side. And it cost a bit of a Ferrari among everybody else. Who do they think they are? The same two boys that wanted to sit on the left and the same on the right, you know, sometimes they didn't have an awful lot of love for the ordinary people. They wanted to go into a Samaritan village and incinerate them. And it was like a bit of Pentecost, let your fire fall, but not in a good way. <laughs> Among their number 
we know there is a, a thief. And not only a faith, to put it in good oldies, Belfast language, he was a wee bit of a grass. He daubed the Lord in. You had the doubter, Thomas. He could have brought him and other people down with him. And the dynamics of this group was not always good. I love Peter. <laughs> I just could imagine sometimes, you know, Peter would say something and the other 11 would go, oh, here he goes. <laughs> Taking one foot out and he's going to put another foot back in. He was always getting it wrong. These massive big statements. But then he wasn't living up to those big statements. But you know, on this day, by putting all their differences aside and focused on being obedient to God, the promise of the Holy Spirit fell upon these people. I still like to read Matthew Henry. He's one of the old, old guys who wrote the commentaries on Scripture, and he says this, That blessed dove does not come where there is noise and clamor, but moves on the face of the still waters, not the rugged ones. Would we have the spur poured out on us from high? Well, then let us be of one accord. Let us agree to love one another. The Spirit of God, friends, won't come where there's backbiting and fighting and criticism and argument. Now, I know I've told you this wee illustration before, but it's worth another shot. But there was, I think, I, I think it might have been John Wimber, don't quote me on that, and if you're listening to this tape, don't quote me on it either, but I think it might have been John Wimber who had a cottage and there was a thatch roof and they had doves that would live in, those, in the eaves of those high, that house. And they started to realize that when they were cross and they were slamming doors in the house, or if anybody was arguing within the house, that these doves would fly away and stay away for a while. And one day the father sat the family down and said, do you like the doves living in the roof of the house? And everybody was, yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. He says, well, if we want the dove to stay, we're going to have to live a different way. No more slamming doors. No more arguments. We have to live a different way if we want the doves to stay. And friends, before we label someone this morning as a door slammer, just think about it. Was it something that we said or we did that caused that reaction? Church, let us determine on this Pentecost Sunday to love one another more no matter the cost. You know, we had a great prayer meeting yesterday morning. We handed out the cards from um, being around the doors last Sunday and we offered people prayer and we faithfully came together yesterday morning. We prayed, but at one point I thought, I'm going to have to, normally we pray from eight to nine, I thought, I'm going to have to kick this lad out. Nobody wanted to go home. And it was about quarter to ten and I thought, well, I have an appointment at half, I better go. But we get into conversation about church and what God's And it was lovely to hear people say what actually you said this morning, June, that feeling of the love that's in this place. You know, people were saying, somebody said actually yesterday morning, I can't wait for Sundays. Can't wait to get to church. Somebody had said about the feeling of the love within the church. And I know some of our ladies also have said, our older ladies have said about, you know, 
it's just a deep love, it's a love love, it's great love. And you know, one of our guys also said that in all the years they've been in church, they have never felt a love like it. But you know, church, that's precious. It's really precious. But we need to guard it. We need to look after it. We need to develop that. We need to care for that. And we need to protect that because God wants us to love one another. And in that love, we can become one of heart and be of one accord. And that's what God wants us to be. You know, and we need sometimes to sacrifice, don't we, what we want for what others want, that we live with that heart of love, one for the other. So they were in one accord. They had great love, one for the other. But secondly, before the Spirit of God came, they were in one place. There was a muster point. Actually, I was just thinking about this. Um, not last Friday night, but the Friday night before, I went over to get Reuben from Newcastle University and brought him home. And it's like kids was go camping, you know, everything was pushed into the car and all. We're rushing for the boat and get on the boat. And you're sitting and you're listening to, you know, those lovely encouraging facts that, you know, you could drown, <laughs> you know, and that there's somebody going to give you a life. But one of the places they tell you to go is there's points where it has a, a sign of a family a green sign with arrows, it's a sign of a family, and that's called a muster point. And this is our muster point. Please never ever underestimate the value of you being here in church. And with a few empty seats this morning, and you've heard me say this before, you know who sits normally in front of you or behind you, right? Lift the phone today and say you miss them. Do you know there's a statistic out there that says the people who get a visit, I know we have an amazing pastoral care team that are doing a great work at the minute, and if you get a visit from somebody that's not me, but somebody that comes and says, I'm a pastoral care worker for the church, they're doing it on behalf of me for the church to help out, to, just to share love, and we have a great team of people who do that. But you know, there's a statistic out there that actually says that when people get visits from just somebody, well, we'll say, can I say this, ordinary? Do we have any ordinary people in our church? <laughs> you know? But when they just get a visit from another congregant, that's a better way of saying it, isn't it? Yeah, it's a more posh way of saying it. That it means more than even a visit from the pastor. There you go. Do you know why? Now, I hope you don't think this off me. But some churches actually think, well, he's paid to do that. So he's doing it because he has to do it. I hope you realize when I come to see you, I come because I love your tea and coffee and buns. Uh, no, but I love you. And I want to spend time with you. Okay? But when we come together, please never feel that oh, if I'm not there, they wouldn't miss me. Because each of us play an integral part of us being who we are. And we've all our parts playing. And, and I was going to try and get it done before the summer, but it'll probably now be after summer. I'm going to look at our giftings. And each of us believe in I have a gift and we can use that. And it, it's important for church life. So we all have our part to play. And when we're missing, you are missed. We all have our part 
to play and we need to come together. And on that day when they mustered in one place, it says they were all filled with the Spirit and 3,000 were saved on the one day. That must have been some meeting, yeah? That must have been some meeting. But you know, when the Holy Spirit fell, remember on that day it was symbolized by fire. Now also the Holy Spirit is symbolized by water as well, but it is often symbolized by fire. But you know and I know the fire spreads, doesn't it? Fire is very hard to contain. But fire will spread. And it's supposed to spread. But when it comes to the Pentecostal fire, if you want to be close to the Holy Spirit, if you want that fire within you, friends, you have to get close to the heat. You have to get close to the source. You have to come. And you know, there is something I believe when God's people and the Holy Spirit can meet you in your bedroom, you can be on your knees and you can have a great time in the presence of God and by the Holy Spirit. But there is something when we come together all with one accord in one place, worshiping God and the Holy Spirit comes and ministers to your heart. Now you've probably heard this illustration before as well. But and I always, when I think about it, I always think it happened in the Welsh Valleys. But there's a story told of this pastor who went to see this man who hadn't been out to the meetings for a while. And he walked into his wee house and it was an open fire and the man made him a cup of tea. And do you know they hardly uttered two words at each other? But in their conversation as they were sitting at the fire, the pastor reached over and he took the tongs of the fire and he lifted out one of the coals that was red hot and flaming and he took that coal and he set it on the hearth and he drank away at his tea. And they didn't have very much conversation. But before the pastor left, he took that piece of coal that was red and hot and had been on fire, that had gone cold and grey, and he lifted it up and he put it back in the fire and the fire ignited. That coal ignited once again. And as he went to go out of that room that day, Without really saying anything to this man, the man said to the pastor, Pastor, I'll be back at the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. He had got up. You see, friends, if we want to be on fire for God, if we want to be moving in God, if we want to be encouraged in our spiritual life, if we want to move in the things of God, we've got to be with everybody else. We've got to be there to encourage one another and to build each other up to stir up the fire within us. We were encouraged yesterday morning, actually, at our prayer time from um, Second Timothy, where Timothy said, or Paul said to Timothy, stir up that gift within you. And then if you look this morning at Hebrews 10, at what Hebrews 10 says, and do you know, I want you to see the fact that this is a group effort. It's not just one person, but it must be a group effort. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us, not the pastor, not just one of the elders. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love. Why do I love at the table this morning? How do we spur each other up to love, to good love, to stir up love with each other? And to good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If there was ever a message to the church of God in these days, this is it. Let's not give up meeting together as the day approaches. Why? You've heard me say it over and over again. We're living closer to that day than anybody else in history. 
So if there was ever a relevant scripture for anybody in church life, it's for us. And it is saying to us, no, do not not meet together, but take every opportunity to get together, to be together, and to be church. Because I believe when we come together and we stir each other up for love. Now, over the years I have been accused once or twice of being a wee stirrer. <laughs> Not right, Betty? <laughs> I love to cause a wee bit of mischief. I love to wind people up. It's just in my nature. This wee innocent face, look at me. It's just in my nature. And, you know, but friends, we can have either a negative impact on each other or we can choose to have a positive impact on each other. And here the scripture is saying, you know, stir each other up to love, deeds of love, and good deeds. We had a, um, a life group leaders training um, just on Wednesday and Thursday night. And you know, one of the things that we were teaching and looking at and learning together was this, how that if we want authentic relationships within our community groups that we call life groups, we have to model that authenticity ourselves. That has to come from us. So if we want our group to be loving, we need to show that love. If we want our group to be together and do stuff together, we have to manage that and encourage people to do it. And then we live for the day when it's not us saying, let's do this. And somebody else in the group will say, here, what about going there together and being doing this together as church? But friends, we have that ability within each other to stir one another, to do great things, to be closer, to encourage each other, to keep going in the faith, to become all that God wants us to be. And you know, friends, even if it's not for us, let it be for the community that God's called us to serve. I spoke to you about the boat and the mustard point on the boat. Wouldn't it be great that this community as we reach out by doing the door-to-door work and telling them that we're praying and we are praying and as we're reaching out to share our stories and to share what God has done for us. But wouldn't it be lovely that this community starts to realize that there's a muster point for them that when they're in trouble, when their lives get rocky, when the storm hits, that there's a community of grace that they can come to and they know when they walk through the doors that they will be loved, that they will be cared for and that people, as the scripture calls us to do, as Jesus called us to do, to go the extra mile for people. That they would know, but they would know that there's a muster point. We're true authentic Christianity where there's real love and there's a real sense of God's Spirit present among his people can be for them. Wouldn't that be amazing, church? How do we do that? We love one another and we come one accord and we be in the one place. We take the opportunities not to forsake the coming together, but we come as often as we can and we have this high calling to go and share people, the gospel with the people within the city of Belfast and the town around it. 
There's one wee verse in Corinthians, or sorry, Acts 18 and 10, but it's talking of Corinth. Corinth, And the apostle Paul hears God saying to him that he has many more people in the city. Now, he had just really arrived to share the gospel, and the Lord's saying, I have many people in this city. And in this city of Belfast, God has many people who are his and are yet to come, and he wants us to have open doors and open hearts to welcome them into this one place, that they would know that they're loved and they're cared for, and that they can be blessed. There was a, an old... So southern Indian gentleman who was passing away and he had many sons but it was awful they were always bickering they were always fighting they were jealous of each other they were pulling each other apart and on his deathbed he thought I do not want this for my boys and he called his boys in and he'd gathered got somebody to gather him some sticks and he bound them up together and he asked each boy to take these pile of sticks. And he said to them, you try and break that. And they were you know, doing what they could to break, but they couldn't break this pile of sticks. Every one of them. And then he asked them to untie the sticks and they all took a stick and they were able to break them. It wasn't long before they got the lesson. When they stayed together, they couldn't be broken. But when they were being individualistic as they were, they could be broken. And God wants us as a church to be united in one place and in one heart. And friends, to be authentic. You know, not to show just a united front. Have you ever had one of those? Married couples, you'll get this. Have you ever had one of those situations where... There's been a wee bit of an argument in the house, or is that just my house? <laughs> but then somebody comes to the door and it's all sweetness and light. <laughs> you know, it's all flowers and hearts and everybody's grand and two minutes before you're... <laughs> you know? But because you don't want, you know, to let anybody down, there's that front goes up, you know. I might have shared this one with you before, but there's a church across the water, and they said that their offices were just above the car park, and sitting on a Sunday morning, they could see people fighting in their cars on the way into the church, and then the families walked in like the Von Truffs, you know? <laughs> a doe, a deer, a female deer. You know, they were all in love and in harmony, but two minutes before, they were beating the tripe out of each other. You know, when you know, we put up this united front, everything's okay, keep calm, everybody will know it's okay, it's okay. But you know, the Lord doesn't even want that for us. He wants us to be authentic people. Who will be honest enough when we get it wrong to say we got it wrong. I think we talked about this a while ago. That when we got it wrong, we got it wrong. And we're willing to put our hands up. And we also need the people who are willing not only to say sorry, but to accept the sorry too. And we're got it. To be of one of heart for one purpose. Because do you know, it's not about us, it's about him. And it's about him wanting us to be a united people, to be authentic, to have the authentic love, and to have that authentic fullness of God's Spirit who comes when people are really, really united. 
Yes, despite our folly nights, despite our individualism sometimes and us personally getting things wrong, somehow God in his great grace still uses us. What I'm trying to convey this morning, what can God not do when his people get that he wants us to be one accord in heart, he wants us to stick together in one place, what can the Spirit of God not do through a people that are like that? You know, we can't, and we've talked about this recently, we cannot expect to fulfill the call of going making disciples if we're not a disciple ourselves, if we're not being disciples, and we're not living in such a way that when new people come in, that they see how proper disciples need to act and live, we are modeling before them how Christ should be within us. So we need to make sure that we live the right way. There's a wee verse in Romans 14 and 17, and it says this, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And yet, you know, if you look into some of the the teachings of Scripture, oftentimes people fall out over what we should be eating or what we should be drinking or what we should be wearing or what we should be doing this and doing that and doing the other. And here, the writer of Romans is saying, it's not about those things. It's about peace. It's about being living right and having joy in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And that's what it should be about when we come together, those things. And when people come in, that they feel that liberty and they feel the joy of the Holy Spirit amongst us as the people of God. I said I wasn't going to preach this morning. Okay, let's try and get this set in the head. Finally this morning, okay? Um, they were not just in one accord having a uniting point or in one place a muster point, but they had one baptism. And that was the PowerPoint. That's where they got connected into the power of God. There was one baptism, which was the PowerPoint. When they, we unite in love in one place, that's when the point, at that point, the Holy Spirit gave the empowerment for them to do the work of God. Would you read with me Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, and it says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you, to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. So there's effort has to go into this. So you have to make the effort to keep the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and God and Father of all, who is over all and in all. You know, it's surprising how the one Spirit who gives the one baptism wants us to be one. Do you know what he's actually saying is, I want you to be like the Godhead, three and one, but they were one. There is three expressions, if you want to put it that way. There's three functions within the Godhead. There's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit, but they are one. And again, I know we'll talk about this maybe later in the year, but if we want to have empowerment by the Spirit of God, we need to get to that place where we allow each other to be each other. 
and not always expect everybody to come like us or to think like us or to be like us. We want everybody to operate the same way with the same passion and the same giftings that we have. And sometimes we get so frustrated with people who don't do what we do. But you know, we got it all wrong. The reason why God didn't gift me with, let's say, the gift of administration, which I am abysmal at, but gave me the gift of preaching, because the Lord wanted somebody else like Dawn to come alongside, or Susan to come alongside me, to help complete this part of ministry that then someone else would come alongside them with their gift where they have a lack, that that links us all together, that it's not about one person, but it's about all of us using our gifts, coming together to make it complete. Because if I was, and there's never a perfect pastor, but if I was the perfect pastor, there would be no need for any of you. And that would be unfortunate, wouldn't it? It would be so unfortunate. Because there are giftings that some of you guys have that still need to come out. And God is saying, look, as I am three in one, and there's three, let's put it this way, expressions of me that was used in different ways, so used can all be used, but you can still come together and be one. Model that oneness of the Godhead. And you know, the early church continued to grow. As they allowed the one spirit to move within them as they worked to be one in Christ. If you move over to Acts 2, I'm going to do this really, really quickly. You see they experienced unity as they met in each other's houses in verse 42. They expressed love for each other in the amazing practical ways. When there was somebody that hadn't enough, they gave. And do you know why I believe they did that? Because they were focused on the one vision of getting out there. And if they thought that somebody was hungry or somebody didn't have enough to get them on their way to keep them in the work of God, they made it their desire to help each other out that they could carry on in the work of God. I think that's amazing. They spent lots of time with each other. Do you know, they met, we talk about meeting in one place, they met at the temple courts, but then they started to meet in each other's home on a daily basis. They just loved being together for fellowship. And they kept praising, and they kept praying. And do you know what kept happening? People kept getting saved. Read an interesting, amazing, amazing article recently. That, and I know we have done evangelism training here, and we will do it again. We will try to equip us the best we can. But do you know in the early church, there was no sign of any evangelistic training at all. Do you know why? They were so attractive in their lives. That sense of community, which is one thing people are looking for today is community. That sense of love and the gatherness and looking out for one out was so appealing to those that they lived with that it brought people into faith. Church this morning, let's keep in that spirit that God wants us to have. Let's be of one accord, okay? Let's not make it about us. Let's make it about God and what he wants. So there's a uniting point, which is the love of God. Secondly, let's keep coming to one place. Let's be together. And I'm not just talking physically about this place, but let's be together in our meetings during the week and every opportunity to come together. Let's muster and be together. 
And let's be open to the one baptism of the Spirit who comes to empower us to be what God wants us to be. Let us be of one heart, one mind, and one purpose, and let's move on to greater things of God. And I would just pray, Holy Spirit, come and do it again through us. Are you excited for the future, church? Let's be excited for what God will do and through. But if we keep unity as a priority, God will do great things in this place. Amen. Um, church, just as the worship team come this morning. And-